Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a podcast where we used to cover every single episode of the TV show Lucifer. Before we get started on our new project, spoilers, we decided to finally watch those shows we have been pestering each other about. So join us today for Vero watch the first three episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> hey, let's talk about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for hopefully not too long. Do you want to spoiler us if you enjoyed your free episodes or do you want to keep the tension, the suspension until the very end? Mm, listen, I'm gonna put it out there now. It did not surprise me. It was exactly what I expected it to be based on the trailer that I've seen before. It's a trailer? Yeah, there's, you know, when you when you turn on Netflix and it starts playing something, whatever you have, what's on the top of the thing. I have that disabled because I don't watch trailers. I don't really normally watch it, but sometimes it just kind of goes on. You can disable that feature. Yeah, but like why? Because sometimes I come across things that I would like to watch. Because of spoilers. No, <laughs> it why. it literally has no spoilers. It's usually like a, a short scene from the first episode. Up to you, but yeah. It is up to me and I, I have seen a part of the first episode song and let's just say this show didn't surprise me it is what it is and it is what i expected it to be then i'm, I'm curious to see what you say this show is as for facts and funds basically every tiny fact and fun is completely spoilery so there was no point in collecting them the only fun fact that i want to include is that west covina is actually an hour from the beach and not two hours what about in traffic then it's two hours probably but it's like 30 miles or something because west covina is an actual city good for them the the showrunners uh and everything they they got a key to the city and all so yeah, west covina is an actual city with actual people and they Try to shoot on location as much as possible. That's actually fun. Okay, so first of all, I did not like the first episode. Okay. <laughs> it starts off with the flashback thing in the summer camp and I strongly disliked Rebecca as a character immediately. Because she's so dramatic and I don't care if she's dramatic. She won't shut the fuck up even when she sees that he wants to say something. She literally won't stop talking. It's so annoying. Just like some people that we know. I hope that was not dig on me because if I am like that, I would like to go into a behavioral reprogramming situation because if I am that... The two of us like to talk a lot despite yes. other people sometimes also wanting to talk. <laughs> Yeah, but like usually you're aware of your surroundings enough to realize that the person next to you is trying to tell you something, right? Sometimes. Sometimes not. Okay, let's put it this way. When you're sober. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then uh, we get introduced to her relationship with her mother, which I'm like, is she like that because her mother is a terrible human being? And I pretty much answer myself pretty immediately. Yes, it seems that way. Doesn't make it better. True. Absolutely true. And I have a question about her hair. What the fuck? The the the, the uh, braid thingies? No, 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 no. Now I'm going going to the law firm. At uh, the, the morning. Okay. Yeah, we're now in New York, and her hair is terrible. She looks like she's wearing the worst wig. It's like old Sam Winchester level of bad. Yeah, because she has to look terrible because she does not sleep and she is absolutely insufferably unhappy. But other than that, she looks perfectly well. Like she's dressed impeccably. 
Her makeup is really good. Why doesn't she do her hair? I think she's doing her hair just in a posh lawyer style. No, it looks like a fucking bird is making a nest out of it at one point. It's so bad. I kept trying to figure out if it's like on purpose that like her hair is so bad, even though she's this fancy hotshot lawyer. And then then she she bursts into the song and moves to Vescovina and her hair is suddenly great in the song. And I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe... And her dress is different. Yeah, the, has... the dress is bedazzled suddenly and everything. And I kind of saw that like, okay, so her hair is going to be amazing in the songs because that's her fantasy and shit in the real life. So that way we're gonna distinguish it. And then her hair stays great. I did not notice her hair. I'm gonna have to rewatch the beginning of that episode. It's just, oh my God. So yeah, that, that's something that I was focusing on quite, that, that's something that I was focusing on quite a lot at the beginning because I was just like, what's going on up there? Why? You, you, were, you were focusing so much on the hair that nothing else was relevant in the beginning like the panic attack and the toxic workplace and everything yeah I was just like you know they set it up as like her mother pushed her into it but she's actually really good at it although the way it is kind of presented and how we meet her in the flashback it feels like she's gonna be a failure because it feels like nothing she does it just gave me the feeling like she's not gonna do well or something awkward is going to happen to her or something like that. I mean, she went to Harvard and Yale. You don't usually attend both. You can, you can like, have you seen Gilmore Girls? Not in depth. Uh, basically, what you can do is that you can do your first college education at one university and then you go to get the doctorate or whatever, like special studies. You can either stay there or you can move over to a different... She's just a lawyer. She's not a doctor or a PhD or anything. No, lawyer or also a thing like you have to get extra studies to become a lawyer you can't just do the four years in the university in in america you have to do the extra three or whatever that is as far as i'm aware usually people go either to harvard or to yale and not to both i don't think it's common to switch schools in between apparently there's a reason as to why she attended both she couldn't stand it there her mother actually references the stupid little suicide attempt that oh yeah created so much drama for everyone and she didn't even pierce the skin so obviously like something really really bad happened apparently yeah and then we also have this moment where she moves over and she gets the apartment and everything and the song finishes and and then she starts emptying the bottles of pills into the drain. And I'm like, shouldn't you be keeping to take your medication, boo? Shouldn't No, because now she she thinks that going to West Covina is going to make her happy. And happy as a concept is entirely toxic. Which is why from the beginning you have the, the butter advertisement with the when was the last time you were truly happy. Happy is always just a short period of burst. Like you, you, you can't be consistently happy. You are content. You can be content. But you cannot be 100% happy all the time. That's not how our brain works. And Josh makes her happy. Josh gives her the, the endorphins in her brain. I wouldn't call it happy but yeah she is happy when she she is in his presence because she is completely absolutely obsessed with him because back then when she was 16 she was in love with him and the fact that she basically broke her fucking heart does not matter at all but that is the last time she was truly happy apparently in her memories oh god and so this is where she latches on to, which is also why she follows him to West Covina, which she explicitly claims that she's not doing because that would be crazy and she's not crazy. 
And also the fact that she takes so much issue with, I'm not crazy, I cannot be crazy. And at the end of the episode where she uh, spirals when Paula confronts her, oh my god, my mother was right, I am crazy. And then, of course, sadly, Paula fades into her very, very dangerous narrative. (laughs) Honestly, I was actually slightly convinced after the first two episodes that Paula is also a figment of Rebecca's imagination. She's not real. No, everything is real. It's just Rebecca experiences the world in song. Yes, but to me, it felt like a whole lot of the things are so absurd that... Because people are absurd. Like Daryl, her new boss, is completely absurd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One-eighth Chippewa. The one person that I didn't hate at the beginning is Miss Hernandez. Is Greg. What? Oh my god. Because Greg comes in as like, oh, she hot. She's smart. I'm into her. She ignores me and this is why I'm into her. Which is fair enough. We've all been there. I mean, not all, I guess, but I've definitely been there. And I was like, I can I can empathize with this person. He seems real to me. He's the only person that I don't completely despise. It gets a little bit more problematic than when, when they're at the party and he like just dismisses every single problematic thing that is happening and that she's doing. And I would fucking slap her. But like... Ugh. He's trying. <laughs> I mean... At least at the very end, he's like, oh God, she's crying. I shouldn't probably have sex with her. You think? Yeah. I mean, the bar for men is so low that this is actually yay. Yeah. In fairness, my first assumption when we meet him is that he's going to be her knight in shining armor at the end, where my prediction for how this show ends is that obviously she's not going to get on with with Josh because that's just not going to happen. He has friend-zoned her so much, it's wild how many times he said, but we are friends, over the three episodes in total. But like, we're talking about the first one. When she meets Greg... I was like, she's gonna calm down eventually and fall in love with him, but he's not gonna be into her anymore. And then they're gonna end up together anyway because she's gonna somehow convince him that she's not crazy because she definitely is though. But I mean, it's a deb- another debate. In what way? Okay. Okay, yeah. So uh, again, I have... Basically, she didn't really know how to do her hair before she moved to California. This bothers me. Maybe California's sun makes her hair look nice. It's it's the fact that they're so close to the beach. Exactly. That's why she moved there. Mm-hmm, to have mm-hmm. better hair. And I try to guess an inspiration for the final song of the episode. Is that all you have to say? Yes, basically. Nothing on her workplace, her boss... Miss Hernandez, who is the communication officer and hasn't said a single word. I didn't actually connect that, but I like Miss Hernandez, I guess, because she's not speaking. Paula is obnoxious as fuck. Oh, yes. In the beginning, Paula is absolutely insufferable and I love her. Um, I'm sure you do. What else happens? Oh, they go to the party and she literally, like she, Rebecca has some fucking issues. If she's used to shutting men up by kissing them, In such an obvious fucking manner, she really needs to work on herself. She really needs to go to therapy. Oh, sex is definitely a a go-to solution, in quotation marks, for Rebecca. Yeah. It's the go-to how to get intimacy, how to get out of situations, how to ignore anything. The Nile is no longer just the river in Africa when we talk about Rebecca. Oh, no. Rebecca is uh, way deeper in, in the Nile than Lucifer ever was. That is not even a question. That is not even a question. So the sexy getting ready song or which? God damn, I completely skipped over that one. You, 
you. Why you? <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Ask women all over the world. I am. This is, uh, I'm sorry, if you're doing this to yourself just to impress a guy, Why? I love the rapper so much when he shows up and he starts and then he takes a look and then he's gonna go like, I gotta apologize to some bitches. Oh yeah, the <laughs> I actually enjoyed the fact that they do the callback after at the end when he actually calls up bitches I have to apologize to. Yeah, he has, he has a list of all the bitches he has to apologize to and he did, he did read The Second Sex by Simone de Bois. It's so beautiful. I actually really appreciate it. It was like one thing that I was like, you know what? Fair play. But... I'm sorry, you don't need to do that to be attractive to a man. Yeah, but that is what is being drilled into many, many women's brains. Yeah, and that's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. But <sighs> it's still reality. Just because it's not pretty does not mean it's not accurate. Doesn't mean we, sh we shouldn't be talking about how wrong it is. Oh, it's absolutely wrong. But I... Also, I, I think the inspiration for this song was something by Destiny's Child, which I've never heard in my life, because I'm sorry everybody who loves Beyonce. I like Destiny's Child. I don't need Beyonce by herself. Destiny's Child was fun. I know a few songs. This is not one of them. I love the Sexy Getting Ready song, because they go so over the top with everything and like the background dancer helping her into the, the body shaper. I love every single music video because they do so much attention to detail No, I, I get that. I understand that. Also, the West Covina song when she's like, this is my destiny. And then, of course, destiny is a stripper. It's constantly all these little pieces. And this is what makes these songs so great because it has like seven layers. Yeah, I, I, and I understand. I understand why, why it is attractive to people. I just, I'm not a huge fan of that. The whole concept of her bursting into songs, I didn't enjoy that at all. Okay. I mean, that is kind of a given in the show. Like, every episode is gonna have three or four songs. And this is, this is exactly why I didn't want to watch it when I first saw the trailer, because I saw the trailer, or a trailer. It's basically an excerpt of the moving song, where I think it's the beginning when, when, when she comes to Vescovina. And I saw that and I was like, yeah, that's not speaking to me at all. Thank you. And it's exactly what I expected in the show. It's just like randomly throw in songs that yes make sense within the context but I like musicals because it feels like there's a setup. People burst into song when emotions need to be expressed that can't be expressed by talking. Exactly. And in this case it didn't feel that way. It this case it felt like just randomly bursting into songs because it feels convenient at this moment like writing wise to me anyway I understand that like there's a layers I mean her moving to West Covina and then getting the reprise of West Covina when Paula embraces the whole love story narrative also the fact that Paula starts singing as well it's just introducing a new narrati narrative to the episode and it's just like okay hold on so is she in on that or is she not actually actually singing or what's happening. Have you ever watched the episode of Scrubs where everybody's singing? No. Haven't made it that far. They have a musical episode and the reason why everyone is singing is because one of the patients has a brain tumor and the tumor is pushing on her brain and everything she's experiencing is people singing. So basically Rebecca does not have a brain tumor but Rebecca is Rebecca. But does she not? Because that would explain a lot. No. She has mental issues. Not... A brain tuber. 
Are her mental issues at any point addressed? Yes, of course. Does she see less songs after that? No, but also her experiencing the world in song is addressed. Okay, all right. It's called a coping mechanism. I understand that. But yeah, it was just like, and then like, we had the final song with Paula, whom it li- literally I had to like sit down and write down her name and stare at it for like 10 minutes to remember her name. <laughs> Until the end of se- of episode three, I kept calling her the other person. The paralegal. But anyway, uh, we have the duet, which is a whole bug of shit. Just no, 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 no. That's, don't support her in this. Honey, she has a problem. Yeah, but this is basically Paula's romantic comedy obsession come to life. Because everyone she counts down, like, I mean, she fucking starts with Bella and Edward. I know, and that's so bad. Exactly. Paula is a horrible person in, in encouraging this. Yes. Not great, yeah. Run with scissors. I mean, she proves to herself that her advice works somehow. <laughs> Yeah, so in conclusion, I had a conclusion in this. The only relatively normal person in the entire episode is Greg. Because he's the only one who actually behaves like a human being. Okay, we're going to see how, how, if that changes <laughs> during the Okay, yes, we will, we will, yeah. So, most annoying character for you this episode? Rebecca. Rebecca herself. No okay. doubt. Your favorite character then obviously is Greg. I guess Greg, yeah. Which is your best duo or pairing? There's always like, you always have like two people, like Paula and Miss Hernandez are like a combo, of course. Mm-hmm. You have Rebecca and Paula at the very end of it. You have Greg and Rebecca. I have to admit, I despised so many characters that there's literally not a second person with Greg who I would actually pair up. So I have no one on this. I'm, I'm not talking romantic pairing. No, not a romantic pairing. No, not even like all the interactions feel really forced, cringy, problematic, horrifying. I couldn't, couldn't, sorry. All right. And your armchair diagnosis for Rebecca, please. What do you think she is suffering from? She is delusional in a deep denial Depressed, all the D's. All, all the D's. Dickless. <laughs> well, she she's getting enough dick usually, so not on screen because she cried on Greg's dick and then he didn't. No, uh, sorry. Okay, so what was it? Uh, she's depressed and she's delusional. Delusional. Okay. Okay. So time time to meet Josh's really hot girlfriend. You did notice that every episode title has Josh in it, right? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Okay. I have to admit, after finishing episode one, I did not see myself watching this show ever again. I was ready to, like, set my Netflix on fire. <laughs> and I understand. I understand that the way it is written and the way it is presented, it will get better once you get to know the characters, I guess. And and there are reasons why they're written the way they are. And I am sure it's on a rewatch, it's going to make way more sense and it's going to be way more palatable than it is for me right now. Okay. However, I did not want to watch the second episode. But you did. I did. Of course I did. Well, then first time we actually see the intro because episode
episode one does not have the intro. And my Netflix skipped it. I saw it for the first time in episode three for some reason. You do know that like your Netflix shows you where you are and you can actually go. It looked like it just skipped like previously on. So I was just like, no, it's fine. The previously on transitions right into the opening because in the previously on someone asks why she came here and then she starts, I was... Because that is kind of the point of the intro, that it is always the explanation as to why she is actually there. All right, all right, all right. That makes more sense. And it actually explains a lot. Because you get to see the intro in episode three. So I just figured it wasn't there yet in episode two. Okay, so that means you start at work with them and Paula helping Rebecca properly cyberstalk Josh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that part. Because she's so much better at stalking than Rebecca is. <laughs> it's not that difficult to stalk people online. No, it's not. But Rebecca obviously does not have the the savvy knowledge that Paula has. I mean, Paula basically got into Rebecca's computer in episode one. Rebecca says in episode one that she is a grandma when it comes to technology. So I can, I guess I can empathize with that because same. I just love that Paula is so much more capable when it comes to like all the digital stuff. I mean, set up a push notification on your phone. Is not much. Yes, but like she also got into Rebecca's account and there's gonna be like, there's gonna be a lot of things coming up where Paula is the technical mastermind. Okay, we get them going to spiders. It feels like every episode they choose something like really minor and unimportant that's gonna be a bit. So in episode one, it was the rapper. In episode two, it's the spiders bar name. And then they have the little, when she's passing by the owner at the end. And it's Mr. Spiders, yeah. And it's Mr. Spiders. So it just feels like they pick and choose. I don't don't actually remember if there's anything like that in episode three. And I like that. I enjoy that because if you pay attention to it, I mean, it was relatively obvious in both of the cases. So it's slightly spoon fed, but it's still it's still funny and enjoyable. And that is a part that I liked. Paula's husband obviously is an idiot because did you catch the reasoning that she has for not being home because she's going to be out all night having her period? Oh, God, (laughs) that whole thing. And they kind of built on that the next episode as well, where any mention of female reproductive organs is a complete taboo for men. Many men do tap out the second you start mentioning something like that. One of the movies that I watched at the film fest, someone murders her uh, horrible male co-worker and before she can get rid of the bloodstain on the floor, another male co-worker comes in and he's like, oh, what's that on the floor? And she's like, oh, I want a period. And he's like, and leaves. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) It's such a trope, but... It's sadly very real. So many men to this day are not able or willing to buy female hygiene products for their girlfriends. God, it's just problematic and we should be addressing it instead of making fun of it. Mm, Making fun of things is a way of addressing it. That is kind of the whole thing of satire and shit. Okay, fair. Okay, so they did not get into spiders because... Rebecca tried to bribe the bouncer with $500. She's already establishing the fact that she has way more money than she can possibly handle. And that she is used to having a pretty high income. Which is going to bite her in the arse, right? Because she's not having the same income that she... Of course. Good. Like, she goes proper broke at some point. Good. 
She deserves that. The thing is, everything has consequences here. Everything. But obviously, first, some things have to be built up. But that is one of the great things in the show that literally everything goes somewhere. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. So she's now stuck at home alone and she sucks at being home alone, despite what she claimed uh, when she left Paula. And I feel so bad for Paula. Like Paula wanted a girl's night out away from her husband and her two idiotic children. (laughs) It's just further proof of Rebecca being a shitty human being for completely disregarding anybody else but herself. I don't think she's like capable in this situation to even like be aware of other people like this is something that she needs to learn yes for sure because so she's she's so wrapped up in her own delusion like you said god it's so annoying even the way she treats greg in the first episode where she completely fucking ignores every single thing and she only focuses on what she wants it's the most selfish thing ever oh yeah she is a horrible selfish person that is absolutely correct i'm glad that we agree on that and now She's not wearing any makeup, which suddenly she looks very different and goes into the mall. She looks like a homeless, <laughs> as Valencia points it out. Charming, right? Yes. I mean, she does not look like a homeless person, but okay, yeah. We we get that comment. And suddenly, as I had written down, we are meeting Valencia and suddenly Rebecca isn't the worst person on this show. Aww. For the time being. <laughs> Well, that's it. Isn't that bad in the shop? She's written to be extremely obnoxious. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, I understand there is a reason for her to be written that way. But honestly, I think Josh is better off with Valencia than than with Rebecca. Rebecca. (laughs) I mean, I feel like you should not be terrified of your own partner. I mean, yes. However... And everyone is basically in agreement that Valencia is scary as fuck. Yes, but they're building her into this stereotype of this crazy person. Also, they introduce her as a Spanish influence or uh, some sort of a, uh, I don't know if she's like half Mexican or what's going on with her heritage or whatever, because she, the way she says Valencia is literally with a Spanish accent. And then they put her in the yoga studio doing a fucking Bollywood song, which is so problematic. Because the only way that Rebecca understands yoga is, of course, cliche Indian Bollywood. But it's so problematic. It the co- Because you sent me the video of what are the songs referencing to and this song from the yoga studio is literally, it is based on every single Bollywood song ever. That's such a cool cultural appropriate. No, no. It's not cultural appropriation. The only concept that Rebecca has for what yoga is, because she does not understand anything about yoga, is, oh, it's that Indian thing. So this is where her brain goes. Uh, uh, the fact that they made her Spanish and then they make her do dress her up in an Indian costume. Okay, Rebecca. Rebecca does that. Yeah. Valencia does not put on a bindi and... But that makes me hate her so much more. God. Which is fair. Valencia also doesn't go nya 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 to Rebecca. Like that is in Rebecca's brain. But, and then actually we find out that Valencia is actually a good person. Well, I wouldn't say good, but not as horrible. I definitely would not say that she is a bad girlfriend that deserves any of the treatment that or anything that Rebecca puts her through. Well, does anyone really deserve what Rebecca puts them through? No. Greg, poor little baby Greg. 
It's sad that he is this desperate. It's genuinely sad. In this episode, I have lost all sympathy that I had for him in episode one. Because she literally cried while trying to have sex with you because you told her that your friend has a girlfriend. What What are you not understanding there? Because his taste in women is extremely self-destructive. Vero, just in case it hasn't been already very clear, every single character in this show has serious issues. There's no exception. Literally. Not a single one. <laughs> I thought that Valencia is going to be like a top contender for my most annoying character. No, I feel bad for her. Which is good. It's Rebecca. Rebecca is the worst. (laughs) God, I want to punch her so hard. So in the story, she does not only run into Valencia, she also runs into Greg and she also runs into Hector and White Josh. God. Also, White Josh is literally, they, the casting is very good. He literally looks like Josh. <laughs> I genuinely thought that was Josh when I saw him in the background the first. It's like, wait, what? Different shirt. Oh, he's white. And that's White Josh. And I love the fact because usually when you have like stereotypical additions to names, it's never the white guy. And I love the fact that in this case, it's White Josh. It just made me extremely happy. Also, as it proves uh, a little bit later on, why Josh obviously has no personality. So it's only fair for him to be called White Josh. Even White Josh has his issues and he is gonna have a personality that is beyond the... Your step count is low and I'm gonna fix that for you. Oh my god. Oh my god, that bit was... Yeah, when he takes his shirt off. It reminds me of the demon in The Good Place where... He's supposed to be keeping Eleonora away from trying to figure out what's going on. So every time she asks a question, he takes his shirt off. He says he needs to go to the gym and takes his shirt off. Yep. I had flashbacks watching that. Anyway, we're not there yet. Maybe maybe West Covina is the bad place, Vero. Oh, God. Yeah, that would explain a lot. And I'm the person who was sent there by being forced to watch that show. Torture. It was torture. I mean, the show, the the shop scene actually is very, very, very cringy with the, oh, the summer camp was when they were eight. Also, it makes so much more sense because then uh, this is something that I suspected because they have dropped hints before that already that Josh has dated Valencia in high school and... It was already, it was very obvious that he was already dating her when he got together with Rebecca over the summer. So that was no surprising reveal whatsoever. That was just like, yeah, that was definitely coming. And it also makes Josh so much less likable because so far he's like this bumbling idiot. But then it's like, yo, wait a minute, dude. Really? He was in high school. That's like the least of an issue that I have with him. Okay, whatever issues do I have with Josh? He's annoying. He's keeping Rebecca around. I have little issues with Josh because I don't really care about him. But he's not really keeping Rebecca around. She followed him into the city. That's another thing. Oh, God. Oh, ugh. Yeah, I don't don't really have any issues with Josh. That's That's true. Yeah, which is why I think it's so important that when it comes out that he actually cheated on his long-time partner. Did he cheat on her or were they broken up? Come on. And we were like on a break. It's like, really? Well, clearly it's something that they've talked about before, that they were not together. And clearly he never brought up the fact that he... That he dated somebody else. Yeah. Because he's terrified of her. 
But that's a different issue. Like, the fact that he didn't bring it up doesn't mean that they were together and he was cheating on her. Mm, that's how I understood it with the... Because I usually I'm calling stuff like, we were on a break. Never works. Oh, that's a very much Friends reference, it feels like. Ugh. People in real life do go on relationship breaks. Like, that is not a TV show thing. Oh, yeah, no. But, like, for me, it's such a strong connection to the Friends thing because that's, like, one of the biggest five biggest quotes from the TV show that is I know not great anyway I, I know anyway let's not talk about that show let's talk about cringe but in a different show I was so confused what Rebecca was trying to achieve with Valencia like keep your enemies closer but then she's like falling in love with her or like thinking about her skin and everything and then they then we have the whole so the song feeling kind of naughty tonight did not spell it out clearly enough for you where she literally explains everything. No, she explains that she's into her because she's beautiful, but like... She wants to be her and she wants to have friends like her. She wants to be as pretty, as skinny and as together in a relationship with Josh as Valencia is. She wants to be Valencia. Which is... <sighs> Which is very, very disturbing. Yes, but it is still spelled out in the song. Yeah, I'm gonna have to admit that I my brain just kind of turned off during the songs because they were just annoying for me, but yeah. Which is a problem because the songs are a narrative tool in this show. No, like this note that I have was before the song happened about I don't understand what, what is happening, like what is she trying to achieve by befriending Valencia. Then the song happened and I was like, so like she wants to be her, but like she also wants to kiss her and then she starts talking about the circle of laugh and then you it felt like she wants to be like in a threesome with Valencia and Josh and it was just like weird the first step is to be close to Josh and since Josh has a girlfriend that apparently is not happy with him being friends with other women if she befriends the girlfriend then she can be close to Josh that is also what Paula explains <laughs> yes however she doesn't know that Valencia has a problem with women because we get to learn that from Josh and Greg's conversation okay uh, we're jumping through the episodes I'm just gonna let you talk about the episode because yeah no that's it's pretty much that's pretty much like nearly everything that I have about this episode because I was just very confused about what Rebecca was doing then then she bursts into the song which is like the most obvious reference to I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry which is a song that we have a conversation about in uh, The Devils in the Music but they have this whole moment when she's and it's just so obviously coming that she's gonna blurt out the fact that she actually dated Josh because it's like referenced and Greg finds out and the, the produce guy from the shop suddenly shows up there. It's like, okay, I guess it's a small town and this is the one club in the entire town. All right. And then Greg is still fucking there. Even after all of that happens. They're going there as a group of four. Yes, but Valencia and Josh leaves and then Rebecca's like having a meltdown and Greg is trying to tell her, oh, let's go out for food. Yeah, because he doesn't want to leave. A Just drive her home though. Yeah, she doesn't want to be driven home. Oh, yeah, no, it was. She's drunk and you don't leave drunk people. No, stare. don't leave her 
behind. Just get her home. He wanted to get some food in her. And because like when you're drunk, getting food in too, it makes sense. Yes. If you actually know each other and are friends. He's met her once before this. He was trying to be friendly and helpful, which I don't fault him for that. Like I fault Greg for many, many things, but not for, hey, you're drunk and having a meltdown. So maybe I'm not going to leave you alone and instead going to take your four fatty food and coffee so you can sober up. Yeah. Anyway, I was... It just felt really weird, this episode. It it had a lot of things that were completely predictable about the whole Valencia. They're making her into the terrible person, which then makes sense that, that that's like, if you look further in the show that I obviously haven't seen. But like, to me... This indicates that she's going to treat Josh so badly he's going to break up with her, which is going to give Rebecca a window to try to get her, get herself in, which also not great because like Valencia is also a person and she doesn't seem to be like a bad person. She just seems to have not as many life experiences as or like friends in her life who would maybe help her to deal with things. Like, for example, if her teacher touches her, And she doesn't know that that's a bad thing. It feels like a problem with education and uh, people around her not treating it the way a situation like that should be treated. Yeah, because she instantly got shamed by all her friends. And ever since then, like she describes, she has not had luck with female friends. She wasn't interested in them. From what I understood. She is super happy to have Rebecca as a friend for the short amount of time that they are friendly with each other because she does not have any female friends. Not because she doesn't want any, but because her experiences are so bad. Okay, I misunderstood that then. She basically got slut-shamed for having boobs and having non-consensual relationship with her English teacher. Yeah. And so that basically gave her a very bad precedent. And now that she is... A very hot yoga teacher, apparently, she has not had an easier time to get friendly with other women. Yeah, and this is my problem because we get all of that set up about her as a person. And then in the end, she's treated like like the bad guy for keeping Josh, you know, banning Josh from seeing Rebecca. But I don't see how she is being painted as the bad guy. She literally... Tells Josh that he's not allowed to see Rebecca. Yeah, and then Josh meets with Rebecca and we have the fucking super scary scene where he tells her, oh, this is the only time we're gonna be hanging out together. And she goes like, oh, we're gonna see about that. We're gonna see about that. Which is like fucking straight up terrifying. So I don't really see how Valencia is being painted as the bad guy when the second Josh does the thing that she does not want him to do, he basically unknowingly puts himself in a fucking terrifying situation. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she's painted as a bad guy uh, doesn't mean that Rebecca is a good person. No, the thing is, I don't feel that she's being painted as a bad guy. It felt to me that way. You're referencing a trope. And yes, of course, she is sharing many, many characteristics with the trope of the uh, controlling, horrible, pretty girlfriend. But so far, nothing she has done fits with that. Except for the whole, I'm banning you from ever seeing Rebecca again. But yeah, there are things that I enjoyed in this episode. Give me one example that you enjoyed. Because so far you had not said. Like I, I mentioned, I mentioned the the name of the club, but like also the way that no, you know what? Uh, the the way they present Rebecca at work as extremely capable. 
that was great. The fact that they can fucking manipulate their boss into doing whatever they want, great. I think that's a great setup for loads of different things. And also that she basically finished the job in the matter of hours that the guys had been like trying to solve for 10 years. Yes. So uh, these whole tidbits of like Rebecca actually being capable of doing things are giving me hope that this is not going to be uh, one of the most cringiest things I have ever ever watched in my life. The thing is, we completely blew past any of her work stuff. So I did not really expect you to have any comment on that. Because this episode and the previous episode, we skipped like 40%. The thing is, right? I... Uh, focused on things that irritated me because they were the things that stood up to me the most. I don't think that watching three episodes is gonna give me enough to be praising something in a way that I'm gonna be like, oh my god, this is so amazing. This is Because I don't get to see, in three episodes, I don't get to see anything paying off on the screen yet. A lot of what I see is a setup for something that I didn't get to actually enjoy, which is okay. So I, I really like, the way they present her at work, you can see that she is capable. It's something that's going to come back in the episode three that actually made me make a note of that. But yeah, a lot of her personal life things are currently extremely cringy and I was not extremely happy watching that. I'm not going to lie. So uh, I didn't even have a favorite character in this episode. I couldn't think of anybody that would not make me angry at some point. So it was a struggle, this episode. Next one makes it a little bit better. Okay, so your armchair diagnosis for Rebecca in this episode then, since this is maybe the only thing that is gonna be there. I have just written unhinged i don't even know the medical words for this for what this woman is going through okay there is an actual disorder that describes rebecca's interaction with valencia and it is an obsessive love disorder oh interesting learn something new every day when you are so obsessed with another person that you either want to spend constantly time with them be with them or be them that is called obsessive love disorder okay let's get into episode three which is I hope Josh comes to my party. I noticed the name of this this episode because at one point I actually stopped it to, to make some notes and the title came on the screen. So at the beginning, I was just like, I wonder if they write all of these characters unlikable on purpose. And I'm assuming yes. I'm assuming everything that, that is done in this show is extremely deliberate because there's going to be a payoff at some point. Mm-hmm. I am right, I'm assuming. We're gonna go through the episode and then we're gonna see how much info you want. And then uh, this is the moment when I actually wondered if Paula is a figment of Rebecca's imagination and if it's just happening because she stopped taking her meds. A lot of things are definitely just happening because she stopped taking her meds. So uh, they have the conversation at the beginning. There's a flashback to the party that she's thrown, which is, (laughs) girl, watching that... It's been hinted on quite heavily in the first two episodes, but watching that, it explains so much about her and her personality. It's so sad. I mean, Valencia literally sings in episode two, my father didn't leave me, right before she goes into the... It's like, ouch. Yeah, God. There is a lot of things that I'm like... Yeah, even in episode one, when she references how she ended up in the summer camp, it's like I, I called my, my dad and I was like, I have I was having suicidal thoughts while he was on his honeymoon. It's like, what? <laughs> Girl, <laughs> no, don't. There is, 
yeah, there is a lot of hints before that, but the, the actual situation is shown in the flashback here. And honestly, I understand that. I also hate throwing parties because when I was about nine years old, I threw a birthday party and nobody came. So you can actually emphasize with Rebecca for the for first once, time in yeah, this show. Once. I'm like, yes, I, I also know this crippling anxiety of people not liking you or never caring about you because I have had an incident in my childhood. Aww. It's also like her trying to diffuse the situation with their... Re- they are rehearsing a play called The Worst Parents Ever. <sighs> it's just like, oh, honey. Yeah. Also... I'm sure there is a reason for that, but she was already quite obnoxious as a child. I mean, did you listen to the mother? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I as I said at the very beginning, I'm not sure if I hate her mother more than Rebecca, because I hate Rebecca a lot, but her mother might be worse. Oh, you, you will meet her mother at some point. Oh, God. With, with being more than a voice off in a car or in a silhouette. God. They, actually, they originally had another actress for the mom. And she did the voiceover for the first few episodes. And I think she actually is on The Walking Dead or something. And she like made sure that her schedule would work out so that she could be on that show. Ah. Because she really wanted to be Rebecca's mom. The actresses. Mwah. And the songs she has are fucking brilliant. Good. And then Paula bursts into a song. And the song is one problematic thing after another. I do appreciate the fact that Rebecca is like, wait, that's not, no, that's that's not right. That's not good. The beautiful thing is that even the reference for this song is problematic. Oh, yeah. So the reference for this song <laughs> is I Believe I Can Fly. By R. Kelly. <laughs> I honestly, when it first started, and this is just because this song has been on my mind quite a lot, the beginning kind of actually sounded like Hello, Is It Me You're Looking For? Yeah. But then it kind of morphs into something that felt like the sister act. Mm -hmm. Especially when the children like run in and it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then I was like, do you really need to put in a child, at least three children with braces in order to make it clear that they are children? That was an actual choir. And if I'm... Remembering it correctly, that is Rachel Bloom's former choir. That actually makes sense. Like, they genuinely looked like a choir. So they did not cast these kids, that those are the actual children from the choir. Also, I have to say, Paula's lip-syncing skills, or the actress's lip-syncing, got so much better. Like, when they do the first duet at the at the end of episode one, I was like, what? <laughs> It's so bad. Is it on purpose? Well, here I'm like, okay, fine. That the movements of her face. It's just like the... Ah, it kills me every single time. Yeah, this song made me dislike her though, because it's just... That's just such a bullshit song. It's such bad advice. Ah, run with scissors. Yeah, literally touch a star. Stars aren't that hot. And then, then she gives the same advice to her kid. I mean, is it surprising her children turned out as her children turned out? No. No, but we finally actually uh, get to meet her family for the first time, which actually convinced me that no, she is not a figment of Rebecca's imagination. So I'm like, okay, guess. I mean, the intro also told you that she is her new best friend because the intro has like the new bestie, the new boss, the new beau, the new uh, neighbor. I mean, did Rebecca really have any friends back in New York? You will 
will learn that. My guess is no, not a real friend anyway. Pity party is over. It's time for an actual party. Uh, so we actually skip because at the very beginning, first thing we see is the whole chicken with a gar- garbage disposal, right? Yes, when why Josh comes with Josh and takes off his shirt. Yeah, and this actually proves how obsessive she is about Josh because I'm sorry, why Josh is ripped. He may and he may not have much going on up there. And he looks like Josh. Also, he looks like Josh. Like fucking go for him. Is the perfect replacement. At, at least find out if he's single. He seems to be available. Also, it feels like he he would fit her mental expectations because she doesn't need them to be smart anyway because she's not listening to them anyway. Also, she's smart enough herself when it comes to specific areas. Also, she doesn't seem to have a need for having a conversation with other humans. She can very well take care of that herself. I mean, she can carry a conversation completely by herself. That is very accurate. Why Josh? is perfect for her well so this is going to be your uh, pairing for the episode white yes, white josh yes. and rebecca white josh and rebecca there we <laughs> oh go oh my god girl you're gonna be so disappointed so we meet paula's family and um as dysfunctional as her children are i completely hate her husband oh god he's such an asshole it explains why paula is so into like romantic stories and why she is so obsessed at actually being engaged in rebecca's life because her home life is just bad not great did you enjoy the acapella names with the glendorables okay i thought it would be something up your alley i mean it's it's kind of cute but like i feel like acapella is treated in this moment or in this show as a bad thing so uh, it feels like they're making a joke about them and i find that that disrespectful Okay, so we get to see the flyer for the housewarming, which looks like the house is on fire. That's so good, actually. And the horrible uh, half an eyelid clerk, of course, at the end of the episode, is disappointed that it wasn't on fire. So there's that. I mean, same. I think that it would make for a way more entertaining episode if they actually set the house on fire. I'm not going to say anything. And then we have the second song of the episode, which is I Have Friends. So there was a reference to some sort of a 90s thing, 90s TV show. It's the Disney Mickey Mouse Club thingy. Yeah. Where they are all... Which, again, completely, phew, over my head. Because I have not heard of Disney properly until I was like 15 years old. And then you were way too old for that. Yeah. We barely had two channels at home. I didn't even know a Disney Channel existed. The Mickey Mouse Club thingy is where many, many pop stars actually started. Like Britney Spears started in there. Justin Timberlake started in there. This is where many later on... Yeah, I'm aware now that it's a, that, that it's a thing. And like I know Disney Channel actually gave start to a lot of pop stars, current pop stars, people that are... And many of them started in that Mickey Mouse Club thingy. I, I don't really remember the actual name. But this is where the the style is taken largely from. Did you enjoy the song in itself? It was better. I didn't like, and I understand that that was kind of the point of it. I didn't like the fact that she's referencing people not by their names. But I know that it's supposed to be that way because it just shows that she really doesn't have that many friends. Yeah, she literally had no friends. Yeah. only I think only the... First two had a name or something. Yeah, yeah. the the DDR, Dance Dance Revolution Kid, which, hey, DDR is amazing. And the Super Shy Girl. What's a DDR? Dance Dance Revolution is a dancing game. 
where you have to step on the arrows that are shown oh, on the screen. That's called DDR. Okay. That is Dance Dance Revolution. Okay. Yeah, and I'm really good at it. See, and this is this is exactly like I'm like completely over my head. I only know that because I went to language vacation in the UK. We didn't have DDR in arcades here because we didn't really have arcades in Germany. And the UK had arcades for kids. And that is where I spent my entire pocket money for the four weeks I stayed in Turkey. Oh, that's nice. Just gonna finish up the song. I love the song because of all the parallels between young Rebecca and old Rebecca. It's literally the same pizza prop that gets thrown at them. Yeah, I noticed that. See, I pay attention. I love shit like that. And also the dude, when she hands the stack of flyers to the dude sitting on the bench and he just puts it to the side like, yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't even notice because she is so caught up in her own little fantasy world. And also the, the friend of friend from law school who throughout the entire song has a look of complete confusion on his face. Why am I here? So even inside her delusions, there are these tiny hints Girl, no. But she's not watching because it's happening right behind her. So I love shit like that. Yeah. We go to home base uh, where Rebecca is trying to invite both Greg and Josh to her party. And Greg does not want to come to her party. I was applauding Greg for learning a little self-respect <laughs> and refusing... A while. <laughs> well, yeah, for a little bit. To be fair, he literally didn't have any customers there and I get why he ended up going. So at least at this point, he's like standing up for himself and not accepting the fact that she treats him like literally shit that got stuck to her shoe. Also, he doesn't frame it in a way that all the fault is on her. He basically puts it like, yo, we don't have a good track record. We better stop this right here. Which further confirms that Greg is the only actual good person in this entire show. They're gonna end up together. I'm telling you that now. And I'm gonna listen to this back and I'm gonna be like, yep, fucking obvious from episode one. From the moment they met, it's like, yep, if they're not gonna, I'm not saying they're gonna end up together forever, but at some point they're gonna date. You're now on record, so. I am now on record and I'm happy about that because that's like a prediction that that's very obvious to me. Rebecca is not very happy with it, but then of course Josh shows up. Rebecca has to spell it out that he can actually attend. Yeah, no, also Rebecca's not happy about that because somebody is actually not playing into her fantasy to her face. And it's a man. And it's a man, like how? And she's like, all like booby and and whatever and no, but she is used to. Pretty, I'm pretty sure that she's used to that it's much easier to manipulate men in her life than women. Glad you said the, the word manipulates because I have opinions on her. But that is exactly what she is doing. Yeah, she is literally manipulating people around her and the situation in order to get what she wants. And she does get what she wants in the end. And I fucking hate that. But yes, as you said, she comes up to Josh and she has to spell out to him why it's okay for him to attend the party. Because he's not the brightest cookie in the pack. Also, she is being manipulative again. But of course. That's fine. Let's just go with that. And now we finally meet one of my two favorite characters. Oh, the neighbor. The neighbor, Heather. Heather. Of course it's Heather. God, she's great. Did you instantly place her voice, I hope? No. This is Mermista. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Oh my god! Okay, great. That's great. It explains why I felt such a strong affection to her. I fucking love Heather. I love everything about Heather and every single arc that Heather goes through. I love everything about her. She's incredible. And she is super fucking cool. Oh yeah. And that is much more important than going to Harvard and Yale or doing good in school or being rich and famous. I mean, she clearly is smart. It's not about that. I was quoting what she's saying on the yeah, I know, I know. to the kid. So. I know. See? I know. It is more important to be fair, though. She's right. Heather is top shelf. She's She is my favorite character next to Greg. She's one of my two. She's one of my two, but you have not met my other favorite character. And at this point, I was like, yep, it is obvious that this party is going to be a fucking disaster. And this is the moment when I was like, you know what? Actually, it feels like everything that she touches is just turning into shit except for work. At least we get the sight of her being really, really, really good at her job because it feels like this is her perception is her entire personal life. And when we get those little glimpses of her work life, it feels like this is actually her coming through as like from a not skewed perspective. I think that the professional interaction is much easier for her because it follows very clear rules and processes and guidelines. So it's much easier for her to follow those because she does not have to make the decisions herself. She does not have to think it up herself. She does not have to be the one making the active choices of which direction anything goes. And the the moment where she would have been made partner, where she actually would have had a steering role she has a fucking panic attack and she basically sabotages herself and takes herself out of the situation. And also her entire career thing is something that has been put externally on her. This is obviously something that her mother had decided for her very early on that she was going to be a lawyer because she is Jewish. She has to go a certain specific path to be successful and everything and uh, fulfill the expectations of her mother. And so I get that she is able to do that, but I also understand that it does not make her happy. Because just because you're good at something does not mean it's something that is good for you. That is very true. This is definitely a less cringy episode compared to the first two. It definitely was way easier to watch. And I actually started enjoying it. No! I know, right? Even after episode two, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be keep watching it. And I was like, I don't want to sound like Lena, who ended the last episode saying I'm never going to watch it. And now she's in season six. No, I'm nearly done with season four. And I did not say I'm never going to watch it. I said if I might watch it or if I were to watch it, I would watch it on Netflix at a higher speed. Yes, you said that. But you don't have it on Netflix. No, which is why I have to hate watch it because I can't speed watch it. Okay, okay. Those are the two options. See, I didn't want to do that because I was like, I don't want it to feel like it's out of spite because you didn't want to watch my thing. So I don't want to watch your thing. So I was finishing episode two and I'm like, God, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. This is, ah, this is so bad for me. And then episode three came along and I finally started getting into this whole mindset of like, oh, okay. Because this is something that often happens to me when I start watching a new TV show that I am unsure of, is that I need to figure out the works of what they're going for in order to enjoy it. And it takes me a minute. With some shows, it takes me a whole season. Which is why I always insist on at least three episodes, because I feel like one episode is never enough. And sometimes three episodes also isn't enough. Exactly. But it's better than nothing. (laughs) In this case, I just really wanted to get it over with. 
at that point. And surprisingly to me, I wasn't getting into it. I wasn't like, you know, oh my God, I'm actually really enjoying this. No, it was nowhere near that. Actually, it was just like, I don't actively hate this anymore. <laughs> progress. Which is progress. And actually finishing episode three, I was like, I can actually see myself continue watching this. Probably like skim through the songs because I'm still like... No, the songs are the storytelling. You literally cannot skip the songs. I'm not, not skip, skim through. They're not long enough for it to be worth to skim through. So, you know, like it's better now. It's better. I don't have this active feeling of like, I want to stab somebody in the eye. <laughs> with a chair anymore you could stab the the dude with half an eyelid so you know we have this whole thing set up for the party and paula shows up and then she gets a call because we had this set up with a kid with her one of her kids yeah who also needs to face his fears run with scissors yeah yeah we got all of that and she has to go away to pick him up and that's actually the best thing that could happen to rebecca because she actually gets the chance to take control of her own party because up until this point it was all on paula and she was avoiding the responsibility well he only is having the party because paula said she would be there of course yes but that would also give rebecca the feeling that she's not actually the one throwing the party. So it would be like a half step forward. This way it gets to be a little bit of a full on. It gets to be very, very unpleasant for Rebecca. Oh yeah. But you know, you have to get through the tough times in order to get better. Yeah, we know that, but Becca isn't a fan of that. So we go to the school and the principal is really, really mean. And Paula is scared of him, which I found hilarious. It's weird to see Paula scared of anything. Yeah, but I, I believe her. Like, this is the one situation. Yeah, because it comes down to her son and she clearly loves her son very much. And I feel like this kid, with all the diagnosis that he's got, is still the most functioning member of her entire family, including her. <laughs> Including her, I was about to say yes. So, <laughs> yeah, I kind of respect him. I mean, he tried. He tried to steal the test. Maybe he's my favorite character. Good, good. See, actually, now I'm actually getting to the point when I'm like, oh, maybe it's this person or this person because I have something to choose from. Very good, very good. I know, step towards something. We go back to the home and back to the school, like back and forth, back and forth. The dude with half an eyelid shows up. And then, of course, we have the school thing where Paula calls her son a ding-dong, which I find an absolute hilarious word to call someone. Paula calls her about, I don't know, I'm very bad at guessing age, but he's about 12, I'd say, right? 11, 12, something like that. A pre-teenage son, a ding-dong. And then we go to the party. That sucks. Because not even Miss Hernandez is there. What is she possibly be doing on a Friday night? Miss Hernandez is my favorite character. She's doing parkour! See, this maybe maybe this is the, the one little thing of episode three, which starts off as like a little, maybe uh, some sort of a throwaway thing at the beginning and that it gives us the satisfaction of a joke like halfway through the episode. Like we had the spider thing and we had the uh, rapper thing. So now we have Miss Hernandez thing. Maybe that's the thing. Because it's incredible. I also love the fact that Miss Hernandez again did not say anything in the song when she was in the I Have Friends song. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. That's very good. I love Miss Hernandez. And Paula goes off to find some randos. 
And then Josh shows up a little earlier than expected. And this is a moment when I'm starting to dislike Josh because it feels like, yes, maybe technically, as we mentioned before, he did not cheat on Valencia before but it feels like he's ready to do it now. I'm not saying that's good, like, now, right now. He's not about to jump into bed with Rebecca, but... No, no, no. But, like, he has the mindset of, like... He's starting to open the door. Yes. He started calling Rebecca Becky. Becca? Becca. Bex. Bex and Becca, yeah. Yeah, which is very endearing, and it feels like it's him building relationships. Also, it reminded me of the fact that the first interaction he has with her, he says, it makes me regret decisions that I've made, because look at yourself. I let a good one get away had I known that you'd be this pretty and successful. So he is basically feeding into her delusions and he's doing it more and more obviously. But I think he's still not doing it deliberately because he is... Maybe not. I think he's not aware yet because right here he's being sweet. He's being caring, which of course in itself is an issue. But right now it's like, oh no, we're just friends and I'm being a supportive friend. Wink, as Paula would say. (laughs) Which, again, I didn't have an issue with him in the previous episode. But this this is the moment when I'm starting to have an issue with Josh. And... I kind of like that he's trying to be supportive, but I've seen this trope too many times to actually fully enjoy it. To believe it to be entirely genuine. Yes, exactly. Also, he is convinced that he's the reason why the party is such a success because of the timing of the situation. Because he's not the smartest cookie in the box. He genuinely believes that his selfie made this happen. I'm not saying that it didn't help eventually, but like the first wave of people was all Paula, 100%. So, but yeah, uh, also he posts a selfie. Did he adjust his privacy settings so Valencia doesn't see it? Or did she know? Because that's something that does not get addressed in this episode. And I have an inkling that that's going to come in and bite him in the arse. Deservingly so. I honestly don't remember. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see, I guess. We cut over to home base and Greg is all by himself. There is no one drinking at home base because as we later learn, of course, Paula collected all the gamblers that usually come after the meeting into home base. Yeah. And he decides to come to this party, which at this point I'm fine with because at this point it's a big party. It's not like, you know, he's trying to go there for Rebecca or to build bridges. He goes there to see how badly it can go wrong. Because that is just the type of person Greg is. I enjoy him as a character so far. When he, when he leaves and it's like, you're really starting to fit in here. And she goes, thank you. And it, it, it's not a compliment. It's like, ouch, someone really likes their town. Not. But he just strikes me as this person who's deeply unhappy with everything that's happening around him. And he just wishes he were somewhere else. And we get a little bit of that when he first goes out with Rebecca because he's telling her about how he went to school and he was trying to get education. And then he had to come back and had to take care of his family, which is something that unfortunately in America is a very normal thing that a lot of people don't get the education that they could have gotten because they had to be there for their families, which obviously is not their fault. It's fault of the system, of the fact that they're not able, first of all, for a family to not be able to get by without somebody actually actively providing for them if somebody gets sick. 
And second of all, the fact that you're not able to finish the school remotely or like having another option for education. So it's just problematic on so many different ways. He seems like the only real person in there. With his own issues, just like everyone else. Obviously, obviously. But like, it feels like none of his issues are blown out of a proportion in the same way as other people's issues are. Maybe it's because Rebecca hasn't focused on him yet. That he's just like an innocent bystander who's just kind of sharing his own life. So, we are still at the party. Greg is still on his way. And we learned that apparently Daryl got a really nice menthol cigarette. <gasps> oh, God. And is now on meth. Oh, God. <laughs> that is... <laughs> okay. That is a thing that happens, yes. Yeah, because he thinks she might be English because she has really bad teeth. It was a whole thing that happened, yeah. I mean, he dug a hole and now he wants to clean stuff, which is nice. (laughs) I'm expecting that's going to come back at some point as well. Like, is he going to become a meth addict? Do you want to know if it's coming back or not? No, my prediction is he's going to become a meth addict. He's going to lose his job. Rebecca's going to head off the firm (laughs) and that's going to lead to another mental breakdown that she's gonna have okay my predictions on record now it's a shame we're not covering the entire show because then we could actually keep track of those (laughs) of course now greg shows up and rebecca says that all this party is a success because of one person and she looks at josh and it makes me very upset because paula did a lot for this party and then she comes to josh and there's a fucking song yeah which in fairness is a good song Also, it talks about mental health. Did you get the reference, of course? My absolute first thought was Backstreet Boys because there is a little music video of them all being dressed in white and I'd be damned if they're not exactly the same outfits. Pretty close, yeah. However, when I was watching your YouTube video that you sent me, it says generic boy band reference. And I'm like, no! It's still a fan video I sent me. So the song, very obviously, it is uh, Backstreet Boys... The white outfits. Literally the first thing that popped into my mind. And it's actually a pretty good song. As much as I'm kind of hating Josh at this point, this song is actually good. This is like one of the first songs that I actually enjoyed watching. Also, Josh, like the actor... uh, The actor's great. Vincent Rodrigo III or something. (laughs) Oh my god. Seriously. What a name. Yeah. I think he's Filipino or something. Which also was when that show came out. The cast is surprisingly diverse Hmm. both age and type wise and it's just gonna get more so so far he's the only person of color in the main cast right no she's also valencia but like i don't really understand valencia's heritage so and then there's also heather and also you have uh, rebecca is jewish oh yeah you have daryl of course with his one eighth which is gonna get addressed problematic yeah but still you have like there's so much more diversity than people are usually used to Mm, i suppose and it's just gonna get more diverse we have not even started learning about the sexuality of some of our characters so there's that rebecca definitely doesn't seem straight so far yeah rebecca is yeah I'm i'm not gonna say anything no but the song i love the song because the lyrics here are fucking spot on because they address all the issues with the dad. They acknowledge within this song that she actually does need 
therapy. She needs cognitive behavioral therapy. She needs to address her issues and she needs to get through the developmental stages that she is stuck in. One of the reasons why I actually liked this song. Yes, exactly. But as it is true with every boy band song, everybody listening is too busy screeching about the hotness of the performers that it does not matter what the actual content of the song is about, which in my opinion is fucking brilliant. And one of the reasons why I love this show so much, because they always play around with the different genres. Like later on, there's going to be a, a Frank Sinatra song and we're going to have a Fred Astaire dance with the clacky shoes, step dance. So all of these different, and it's always going to be used within the context of the different influences. And it's just... In this case, it works so well because now young Rebecca is also showing up and they're both standing there. It's, ah. Oh, yeah. At the end, they, they have the hug and everything. Yeah. And then Josh gets a text from uh, Valentia that she's back and he ignores it and he lies about the text, which that makes him even shittier. My dislike of Josh is growing. Understandably so. But more importantly for me is that Paula is absolutely adorably drunk on the couch with her son and Heather. I think Paula really, really needs the gal pal aspect of the friendship with Rebecca. But she's way too much consumed with the romantic aspect of Rebecca's life to be enjoying the actual friendship. Because this is what should have happened the previous episode. Paula and Rebecca should have gone together into spiders and had a nice party and have drinks together and hang out. Yeah, but that would mean that Rebecca's not a selfish asshole and Paula's not obsessed with an aspect of Rebecca's life instead of being actually... Friends with the person. Yeah. Yeah, they all got issues. <laughs> they all got fucking issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with no underlying issues to address. She fucks up home, which is also problematic that her kid is taking care of her and grabbing her. Her son called an Uber. Yeah, I know. He should not be put in that situation, but... That's fine. Given that family, I'm pretty sure it's one of the more harmless situations he's been put in. Less harmless. More harmless. I don't know. My brain's no longer working. But yeah, so you have all that and then the party kind of winds down. Josh admits that it's Valencia and then he basically gives Rebecca even more of a hope and even more supports her fucking delusions and it's terrible and then he leaves and then Greg is left behind and Greg as the normal person of this entire episode is drunk and I love him. Because he's not leaving when there's still whiskey to be had. He is me. He is literally me. I hope not. <laughs> Why? Because of the issues? Mm -hmm. No, you know, we all have issues. It's fine. Oh, yeah. If you should indeed continue watching, please do remember that you called yourself to be the same as Greg and see where it goes. <laughs> to be fair, maybe not now, maybe not anymore, but there was definitely a point in my life when I would not leave if there was still a bottle of whiskey behind. Well, Greg takes the bottle of whiskey with him and then we have the aforementioned situation. And he drops that and it makes me like him even more. Because living in a place you hate is so good for your own personal mental health. But it's real. Yeah, and it's not. it doesn't seem like he has many options because he is taking care of his dad. Exactly. So he's my favorite character. We go into the school the next day and Paula has to face the terrifying mean principal. Now Paula has to run with scissors. I love the fact 
that Rebecca here is finally being supportive for something that is not about her. For the first time in three episodes, she is not a selfish asshole. So it's nice to see that she has this side as well. There is uh, opportunity and space for growth. Yay! And then of course we have the final scene where she sits on the couch with herself and her younger self is completely obsessed with the fact that she gets big boobs and they float. So Girl with Mustache owns her money, <laughs> apparently. It also kind of feels that she is, well, yes, she's having a mental breakdown because she's literally having a conversation with her younger self, but... It's actually a therapy method, like where you're supposed to be like, okay, what would you be saying to your younger self? What do you think? What would you be saying if you didn't actually see this person sitting in front of you? But it's still Rebecca, so everything has to be very... Visual. And dramatic. But it feels like she is actually a person that cares about something else but her work while the adult Rebecca seemed to be until recently very much all about work. So it's interesting to see them interact. And it's also hilarious for me that young Rebecca also does not shut up at all. This was apparently always part of her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I relate to very, very much. So let's see if we can go through all the questions that I had for every episode with at least this one. So the most annoying character this episode. Rebecca and Josh. <laughs> the favorite character for this episode. Greg and Miss, Her Miss Hernandez. Okay. The best duo or pairing or anything like combo. Heather and Rebecca. Good. I can see that. Mostly because of Heather. I mean, Heather is just amazing. The best song moment. The Backstreet Boys part. <laughs> the entire part. <laughs> it, the, the moment when you realize that it's not him and his pals, but it's actually four Joshes. Yeah. Because we're not just a boy band made up of four Joshes. We're also professional licensed mental health. I love It's just like the, oh my God. It's so good because you expect what you've seen in all the other songs that you have the people around joining on the song. But when you realize that I think it's at the beginning-ish when they flip a camera and the song keeps going, but you're realizing that you're watching just one Josh, but he's wearing something else. And then they show the four of them. And it's the realization of like, oh shit, it's not four different people. It's four Joshes. That was my favorite moment. My favorite moment is Paula's face movement when she finishes the face your fears because she just goes to, hey, hey, hey. it's beautiful. I, I can't even move my lower part of my face like that. And of course, what is your armchair diagnosis for Rebecca in this episode? Uh, depression, denial, manipulation, obsessiveness. Manipulation is not a diagnosis but yes but obsessiveness I don't know what there, there should be a word if you have a tendency to control people around you I'm sure there's something there yes I can't think of it but I can research it eh. I went with complex PTSD oh very good that's uh, the depression and denial kind of because covers that the thing that she went through in, with her childhood, with the trauma that happened there, and she never really worked through it, because I'm pretty sure her mother is one of those characters that don't believe in therapy, because she already seems like a horrible being. Even in the second episode with the little suicide stunt and everything. Oh, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that she has complex PTSD from growing up with that as a mother and going through who knows what. So, all right, girl, you made it through three episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You survived the singing. 
you survived my obsession with it. Uh, you already spoiled that you don't hate it as much after episode three as you did hate it after episode one and two. So general thoughts and what does the future uh, relationship between you and Rebecca look like? Between me and Rebecca, I don't see that <laughs> getting better anytime soon. Between me and the show, overall... I think it's the kind of show I would put on when I'm in the brain that kind of a situation, you know, when when you come home and you're really tired and you just need to put something on to engage your brain enough to not fall asleep while you're eating. Mm -hmm. Nothing that I would have to focus on. To me, so far, the most gringy parts of this are the songs, unfortunately. <laughs> I really struggled with most of them and... It was not a good struggle. It gives me hope that the last song is the best song for you. Yeah. I can see myself getting into it, but there are things that I'm just not enjoying too much. And I feel like in order for me to like the show in a sense of actually become a fan of this show, I would have to like the system that they're putting in place. Absolutely. And I can see myself following through watching for the story, but I don't see myself as becoming a fan of this in a sense of I will rewatch it or I will put it on <laughs> as a comfort show, which is something that I have with a lot of different shows. Like I have that with shows that are problematic in a loads of different ways. Bones is a great example of that. But because I love the characters so much, it's something that I will always put on and it will make me feel better and it will hug me on the inside if I watch it. So yeah, I can see myself watching it because I am now, after episode three, curious what's going to happen to Greg <laughs> and kind of wondering what's going to happen with Valencia because I kind of like her and I don't think that she's being treated fair. So these are the two characters that I'm actually like interested in following up on. Heather! Oh yeah, Heather. I keep forgetting that she exists. Yeah, I know. It's like, I'm so glad that you even got to meet her because like the next episode opens with her in psychology class. Class. Great. Okay, then now I have an incentive to watch episode four. I might put that on when I'm finishing my dinner after we record this. Okay, so you don't want any spoilers, but is there anything that you do want to know? I would like to know if the songs are gonna get more organic in the show because so far it's really difficult for me get to get into it because they feel like they're just why they're never gonna be as musical organic it's always something is happening that then happens on the musical level either because Rebecca over focuses on something or because Rebecca tries to understand something or just because something randomly happens at some point I think in season two there's even moments where she isn't even there And it still happens. Okay, that's not filling me with much confidence, to be fair. But there are some songs that, in my opinion, are fucking incredible. I refused to watch this show for very, very long until I watched a Supernatural fan video with a song from this show, which is the I'm Getting By song, which is a coming out song of a character who's coming out as bi. And the Supernatural fan video was, of course, with footage of Dean Winchester. And so I watched that fan video and I linked it in a Supernatural Discord and then someone was like, oh, the show where the song is from is really, really great. I was like, okay, from which show is this? And she goes like crazy. So I was like, what? And so she was like, okay, you don't like spoilers, but you already know the song. So just watch the video to this song. And I watched the video and I'm like, 
Okay, I'm intrigued. Okay. And it actually took me the entire first season to get over the negative connotations that I have with the title. Mm. Yeah, also that's whole, that's a whole big bug of worms that we did not open. And there are a few songs, for example, there's at some point there's a song that is 100% Do You Hear the People Sing from uh, Le Miserable, which of course is one of my absolute favorite musicals. And later on we have another song that is Empty Chairs at Empty Tables, and that is a song about vibrators. And I fucking lost my shit because it's the buzzing from the bathroom. It was a no electric toothbrush. And I, like some of the songs, you can wake me up in the middle of the night and I will be able to quote the entire song. Some songs are utterly forgettable, but some are simply brilliant. And for example, Rebecca's mother also has music, or the Jewish community in general gets music, which is mind-blowing, because, yeah. But it never, like, the style of the music insert doesn't change. So that is something that you will sadly have to live with if you continue watching. Okay, another question. Does Rebecca get likable at some point? Yes, absolutely. In my opinion, the arc that Rebecca goes through is one of the best that I have ever watched because I am fully with you. She is utterly cringy and unlikable and she is a bad person. She truly is and I understand that this is used as a writing tool in order to have a character go through a good development. In episode 5 there is a song that literally addresses the fact that she is a bad person and the song is called I'm a good person. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I, at least she's aware of being a bad person but I suppose not. Tiny spoiler she threatens to kill someone unless they say that she's a good person in the song. So there you have it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also, important for me, this show was always planned out as a four-season show. It got four-season and the ending is, I think, the best ending I have ever seen for any type of... When I... Yes. Okay. Otherwise, it's four seasons... You don't get to meet my favorite character until... Uh, season three, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> That's solid. Okay, well, you didn't fill me with confidence, but you filled me with intrigue. I'm also not going to lie to you, and then you're going to be disappointed. I hope that I didn't lie to you when I try to kind of talk to you about Bones, because I feel very strongly about the show, and I feel like now maybe uh, let's do uh, like a tiny little segment because you kept on watching in a, in a sense. So like, I know that there is a lot of problematic things, and I've never tried to deny. Oh, no, 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 I know. You just have a more forgiving heart for the show, because you have a past with it. That's for sure. While also, uh, I think that considering the timing this show came out, it has been shockingly progressive on some things. And shockingly non on others. Yes. Yeah, well, of course. The thing is, some of the episodes, if I just look at Bones as a procedural show, some of the episodes are really good. Like anything to do, for example, with The Gravedigger was really well done procedural television. Grady episodes are one of the best episodes my favorite episodes in the on the show and also with her father before he goes into jail there's many many things that are really really well done one of the issues that i have is that we have covered six seasons of one of the best 
propaganda shows that there are because they addressed the issues of propaganda shows. And Chloe especially was a character who tried to make so sure that she stayed within the lines of the law. And if there was law breaking, it was usually Lucifer who did it and not her. I mean, it was still a... Yeah, but still. But in Bones, the disregard that Booth shows for the law whenever it suits him and then in other moments when it also suits him insists on upholding either law or societal standards or norms or anything that is what is so fucking annoying because he always turns everything in the way that it fits his own narrative and the thing is it makes sense on a few levels like uh, with the abusive father that who was an alcoholic that he basically had to raise his little brother and everything him being a christian so many of the puritanical views that he as the single character actually has makes sense the problem is when it's the show that is bringing on those values and not him as a single character for example the over sexualization that they put on angela's shoulders that she needs to go on a sexual sabbatical so she is even able to form meaningful connection is such a toxic puritanical bullshit point of view and it would make sense within the show to say that Booth judges her for being a promiscuous person but it is the entire show that judges the character for it and that is the issue that I have I don't think that they judge her for for being promiscuous I think that uh, the way well the way I understand that storyline is that she is struggling and she doesn't understand why she can't connect with people on the on the level of partnership dead instead of going into therapy with extremely competent and well-educated Dr. Sweets she wants a quick fix but the thing is it's not her that finds this fix this is put on her externally and that is the issue see I think and the way I view this is that I don't think Sweets says it as this is the solution I think Sweets says it as this is something that you could try yeah but everyone else is of course you're not forming any meaningful connections because you're just fucking around and don't no, but that care is the about issue. anybody else's opinions because they are not you know trained professionals that is the show putting out a statement the statement the show is making is that if you are having a promiscuous life so you will be incapable of forming emotional attachment. It is correct that some people use a promiscuous lifestyle to evade issues. That is correct. But just because you are promiscuous does not mean you are incapable of forming emotional connection. And the thing is, with sweets, they have someone who's incredibly competent and they actually could use this just like they used Stephen Fry for these short insight moments and the way that was handled for example was amazing that was really well done so I don't understand why they stopped using that when they introduced Sweets and the disrespect that is shown by every single character to Dr. Sweets is horrendous because he has proven, and that is like what annoys me so much on the scientific side, he has proven time and time again that his methods work, that his contribution to the cases is valuable, and that he is a fucking professional in his field. And despite the growing track record, everyone keeps 
putting him down and not taking him as relevant as me as having a meaningful contribution and that is just incredibly disrespectful and i hate that and those are the things that are my issues with the show i'm pretty sure if that show got made today that bones for example she would be somewhere on the spectrum yeah she would not be just socially awkward she would be a character that is supposed to be read to being somewhere on the spectrum and that would be really really interesting and everything so i see so much potential in it and like i, I don't have an issue with booth being a puritanical believer because it's actually interesting sometimes to see the debates but every time when the writing echoes his position instead of just having him as his position and then having a counterweight in bones those are the situations that are bad because the episodes where the both of them disagree and we don't get a you're right or you're right but we simply have them disagreeing and then the episode ends and they're still sitting together having a beer those are the great ones because this is how it is supposed to be you can be friends with people who have one being a christian and one not being a christian and you can still be fucking friends and share a beer and even debate all these things So I very rarely look at writers. So I wonder how much is that connected to specific people working on specific episodes. Which is a shame that we're not covering that show because that is something that we would be keeping track of. Yes, exactly. So that would be interesting <laughs> to see. But anyway, this is all for the bonus anyway. No worries. No, but like so I was just very curious if if you like how you feeling so far. I know I keep saying that I'm hate watching it, but I have not even started a new season of Cobra Kai because I am watching Bones. <laughs> okay. Well, it means that there at least are characters that you're enjoying like Hodgins. I love him with my whole heart. I'm very very ha- happy that they quickly abandoned the m- misanthrope way they put him in it was a, it was a good gateway but i'm very happy with where he is now i'm a bit disappointed about the intern situation i kind of expected them to have a new permanent intern yeah no they they i think that they try to go for diversity as well to kind of help a little bit with the all white cast or like nearly all white cast uh right now we have a, a muslim intern and hodgins basically straight up goes that he distrusts muslims and so that actually gives some interesting interaction because this is something that is uh, therefore then get, gonna get addressed yeah but this is the thing they have now finally started actually addressing certain things the first two seasons there was none of that <laughs> and so this is where i'm i'm seeing progress i'm seeing it getting better mostly also sweets is having more of an effect on characters like last episode I watched Booth's little brother got a dishonorable discharge from the military because he helped save Booth from the the gravedigger from the ship yeah and now he decided that he was going to go to India on a motorcycle and Booth is completely like and despite him being super shitty to sweets he still listened to his input learned from it and actually made the right decision it's something that's going to happen more often and with less of resistance. Yeah, you see it now happen and that in the same episode Bones actually goes to Sweets like I am impressed that you picked her out of that crowd. How did you do it? And he very understandably is you don't believe in my methods anyway. You're going to say I guessed, so I'm going to give it to you. I guessed. And he fucks off, which is so understandable because he has been a fucking punching bag. I love Sweets so much. Yeah, but so I love him standing up for himself and going like hell no you had 
fucking two seasons time to start believing in my track record. So fuck you. Yeah. This is what I really enjoy because they they really they might not be doing that well on like specific episodes, but when you go through the character arcs overall, it quite often happens that you just realize that suddenly they made you love a character and you don't know how you don't quite know what what happened. Did I give you enough input uh, as to where my emotions are right now with Bones? Yeah, no, it was it thank you. I feel like um, there is a good momentum going there right now. So uh, I hope that you're going to fall in love and your heart is going to get broken, uh, not by the show, but by the characters. And uh, there is, I know, like, you know, as I'm going through it now, I'm, uh, I just started season seven. Okay. You need to slow down so I can actually catch up. You know? Oh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not very actively. Like, I would just put it on when I get back home, and like, I'm. I'm dead from work or something. I know, but still, slow down a bit. Well, you were busy this week. You were fucking like you're nearly. I still up with watched me. a few episodes despite watching 35 movies. I started watching this in May. And I'm in season seven. So, like, don't you worry. You're going to catch up with me in no, no time. But, like, going through some of these things, I always go, like, oh, Lina's going to hate this. <laughs> or, oh, Lina might actually enjoy this. So, uh, there's a specific thing that, that happens at the end of season six when I'm like, ah, I can already see the comments that you're going to be sending me. <laughs> I can already read it. So if you do continue watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I know you are not as much a life commentary person as Lada or I am, but I would very much enjoy, be it either hate watch or enjoyment watch commentary. I'll do my best to, to send you my thoughts when I remember. That would be very much appreciated. As I said, I'm going to continue watching, which I'm probably going to, because it seems like one of those shows. I'm not going to be watching it actively in like, I need to know, or like, I can't go another half an hour without watching another episode. I do hope that changes at some point. Uh, eh, anything's possible. When I first watched this, I would write at 2.30 a.m., to the friend, actually friend of the show, Nis, who recommended it to me, commenting on what I had just watched because I had to watch another episode before going to bed. Okay, that's fine. So <laughs> We'll see how it goes. Listen, anything can happen. Anything can happen, that is true. And with this, we say... Thank you for listening. If you want more of us and have not done so already, you can listen to our full coverage of the TV show Lucifer. Yes, all six seasons of it. If you want to get a bit more personal with us, you can either send us an email at contact at taot-podcast.com or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much, you can simply help us by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.